Muhammad is not the father of any of your men, but is the messenger of Allah and the seal of the prophets, and Allah has perfect knowledge of all things. Hi and assalamu alaikum. My name is Raqaya Wright and welcome to Season 3, Episode 7 of Breaking Barriers. Today we will be talking about the last sermon of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And we have with us Maryam Parker. Assalamu alaikum. My name is Maryam. And I know I've been on here a couple times, but like in the past seasons. But alhamdulillah, I'm excited to do this one because I think this was last Ramadan when I first listened to the, the full sermon of the Prophet And I think it was like, in, they did it in Arabic and they did it in English. And subhanAllah, the person who was like reading it, they were like trying to get into character of just like the mode of it, like the scene of like how they were feeling at that time, especially the Sahaba and the companions and the people with the way they were gathered around. So it's a very powerful speech. And it's not only in my opinion, like if you actually search it up, a lot of people say this is a very, very powerful speech within our history as well. And the thing is, it's not a long speech. It just has so much weight to it. It, it does. It does. And it's it, well, the crazy thing, too, is that you can literally take all. I'm telling you, like almost I want to say almost all of this. You can take this and use it for so many issues today. And then also you'll see in different hadiths, well, they'll, they'll pull certain things that the Prophet said, too. Yes as like guides for certain things yeah and evidences but i'm excited i haven't done this in a minute so i'm trying to get back into my little podcaster mode with you (laughs) (laughs) first time you're on the episode this season and on episode this season it's crazy i know i know and also i'm just trying to get we're both trying to get back in the mode for school but alhamdulillah like we still got a good almost a week left oh god we got almost like a week. So short. So short. Not it, enough time. I just worked yesterday. And now. You did what yesterday? I just finished work yesterday. It was my last day. Okay. I mean, now we'll be at the same school. Go EMU, y'all. Go Eagles. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. So, what we can do. I know you were saying we could do it into, like, parts. So, if we want. We could kind of start off and then I we could start a paragraph, go back and forth, and then talk about. Yeah. Maybe we should first talk about like what was the sermon, what was the scenery at that time, like what was going on, so everyone can get in that mode of like what's happening right now. Why is this so important? So this was at the end of towards the end of the Prophet's life. And like while he was giving this speech, just like give you an example of while he was giving this speech Abu Bakr started crying and the other companions they weren't crying they were like they weren't sure why Abu Bakr was crying but Abu Bakr was crying because he realized that the Prophet was going to die soon after giving this speech mm-hmm. so and funny. a little bit after he would get sick and he would um, die because this was the end of this, the message right 
That gave me shivers when you said that. (laughs) Yeah. And then also, so this sermon was delivered on the 9th of the Hijjah. And this is the 10th after Hijjah in the Urana Valley of Mount Arafat in Mecca. And it was the occasion of the annual rites of Hajj. So it's also known as the farewell pilgrimage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this actually was the first and the last Hajj of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu so do you want to start off and then we could do each one each um section he said um you want me to start off from the first one Mm -hmm. okay so there's the intro obviously as we know i'm not gonna read the intro um so we can just like get right into it if that makes sense which part the um Oh, people lend an attention. Oh, no. I feel like that's important. I feel like that's important. Okay, so you think yeah. I should... Yeah. Okay. So we'll start off from the intro then. Oh, people lend an attentive ear. For I know not whatever after this year. I shall... I shall ever be among you again. I, I shall not know if I shall ever be among you again. Therefore, listen to what I am saying to you very carefully and take these words to those who could not be present here today. And let me tell you why I think this is very, very important. And I think subhanAllah, there's never mind, there's wisdom behind why he said that first. When people just start off talking, like this can be at halakas, this can be, you know, in circles of knowledge. If 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 people just get straight into it, I feel like sometimes you gotta give them that kind of introduction to get them into the mode because yes. the prophet said i know not whether after this year i shall be ever amongst you again mm-hmm. so it's 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 always like especially in islam we're always taught that we may not be here tomorrow we may not be here the day after tomorrow so it's it's important to take every day and take it as seriously as we can it's not just like okay you know the prophet was going to give this talk again no no this is his last talk he's going to give so it's important for people to take it seriously and for people to understand what he's saying is very that's very true and also even in the end how um and those of you who are here today like share this with those of you who cannot be present today i feel like that's important because the fact that if like a lot of times you're in circles of knowledge and you hear like these like gatherings and halakas and stuff and you hear these lectures and you hear like all these um the good advice and good things that you like you learn but then afterwards you may implement it in your life but you don't share it with other people mm-hmm. with other people so and it's it's a disservice further spread i agree and it's a disservice and sometimes yeah. you don't see it but like imagine you're going to halakha you're going somewhere where it's, you're gaining beneficial knowledge alhamdulillah and alhamdulillah give you the ability to be able to go but and i'm sure we're all guilty of this like you know we go we benefit yes. we take our notes but there's so many people around who have not benefited from that even if it's posting you know sending your notes to one of your friends or it's mm-hmm. posting even a small clip of maybe a scholar or 
um, some, someone of knowledge who is speaking onto your story, someone can benefit from that. Like I'm telling you the amount of times where maybe I posted something onto my story and then I go back and it says it's liked by some of my friends who I followed. You know that it's maybe not everyone has benefited from it, but you yes. know that some people have and you've done your and you've done your part for being able to you're seeking knowledge, alhamdulillah, which is an obligation upon every Muslim. And then you're also spreading that knowledge as well. Like you mentioned, Rakhai, you have to act upon it. Knowledge yeah. without being acted upon is it's it's useless. And and one thing I did want to say with this sermon before we get um continue is that this sermon was repeated sentence by sentence by Sathwan's brother Rabia radiallahu anhu, who had a powerful voice at the request of the Prophet, and he faithfully proclaimed over ten thousand people gathered at, on this occasion. So there was so many people that Safwan's brother Rabia, he, he, he had to repeat everything the Prophet was saying so that people in the back could hear as well. And I want to say, if I'm not wrong, it was also repeated as well, if, if no one in that could hear. Yeah. So this was a large gathering. Okay, so I'll say the next part. Oh, wait, can I say oh, one more? Go ahead. Like um the ending that I was talking about like just now, the what also I noticed about it is that see how the Prophet said like tell the people who are not here today yeah like if people did not tell the people who are not here today and spread it to us then we would never have like us me and you or no one at all we would have never had this knowledge of this at all mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. even look back on and reflect on. And that's why I say that I'm telling you that first part is so important. It's so important. I feel like there was at least three things that stuck out to me, four things. Like Mm -hmm. even lend me an attentive ear. Like listen closely to me. Listen attentively. Don't, you know, sometimes, again, we're in, we're going to halakas, we're going to classes, and sometimes our brain wanders. That's normal, but the Prophet is telling us to listen attentively. And we don't even live in the Rasul's time period of time. We are based off the Quran and the Sunnah and the Hadith and all of the companions and the Salaf who came after and Tabrain came after. But the it's it's as if like it's especially his life has been studied, his speech has been studied. So we're able to benefit it from it today. Mm-hmm. So subhanAllah, just had to had to say that. <laughs> okay, so after you said that first part, then the Prophet said, Oh Allah. people just as you regard this month, this day, this city as sacred, so regard the life and property of every Muslim a sacred trust. Return the goods entrusted to you to their rightful owners. Hurt no one so that no one may hurt you. Remember that you will indeed meet your Lord and that he will indeed reckon your deeds. Subhanallah. Subhanallah. So even like return the goods entrusted to you to the rightful owners, like in in your head, what popped up in your head when I said that? Like how a lot of the times, like first thing that popped into my head was how a lot of times, like some people like lend you something or like let you borrow something, right? And then like sometimes you for they might need that thing and you forget to return it to them, and they don't ask you for it because they're like they don't want to like. What are they to ask you for it? You know what I mean? Because some people don't right. want to. And it's back. just the ethics of being a good Muslim. That's what we have to try to achieve. Yeah. Because some again, some people. Okay, like for example, these are all um, 
amanis you're all right so like for example like okay if like you lent me something and even if you were just like like i knew it wasn't gonna be a big deal i knew you really weren't gonna care it's yeah. still it it's a trust between us that i'm gonna return it back to you even yeah. as if like even when it comes to money and maybe that we'll get into that i'm not sure but if 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 i borrowed something from you and maybe you even if you let's say you just forgiven me for it i hadn't returned it for you alhamdulillah you'll give good deeds for forgiving a debt from someone right but mm-hmm. at the end of the day it's still it's an amana it's a trust that i'm supposed to give it back to you mm-hmm. and, and i feel like that also establishes like trustworthiness uh-huh. in, because to know even though it's the smallest thing you will return it to them mm-hmm. that establishes like trustworthiness is what's it should be one of the characteristics of Muslims. Right. And it's, it's subhanAllah, it's the way that the Prophet says, this Allah. month, this day, this city, just like the month, this was the month of Hajj. The day was the 10th of the Hijjah. The city, this city was on Mount Arafah and Mecca. So obviously as Muslims, we consider this to be so sacred. And the Prophet related this back to regarding the life and property of every Muslim just as sacred. And if anything, it's a trust. So you would think, oh my God, yeah, of course, like Hajj is a huge thing. This is something we all want to be able to do one day. It's an uh, obligation upon those who are able. And then the Prophet says, so regard the life and property of every Muslim, a sacred trust. So this is just as serious. We shouldn't take it as in like, oh, it's, you know, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you said this after saying something as powerful as that. And then do not hurt anyone so that no one may hurt you. That's something too. I know a lot of people use karma. We don't use that ideology, especially in Islam. Yeah. But but it just shows that whatever you do to someone else, you should be honestly um expecting the same things be done to you. Now, of course, I feel like yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say, I feel like it just reinforces the idea of like treat others the way you want to be treated. Like what you want for yourself, you should want for your brother. Like, and the idea of like no one will enter jannah unless you love for your brother what you love for yourself exactly exactly i literally love that and and the thing is too at, and then right after that the prophet said him says remember that indeed you remember that you will indeed meet your lord and that he will indeed reckon your deeds so don't think that just you know you can do anything in this world but you're not going to be asked about it everything mm-hmm we will be asked about whether literally something as simple as drinking water or laying down in your bed, like these things, every action we're going to be at, we're going to be asked about whether it's a good deed or it's a bad deed. Everything will be asked about. Mm-hmm. You'll every, be accountable. You that's-, that's the word. That's the word. You'll be held accountable. So like that should send like shivers down your spine. <laughs> that should make you afraid, but it also should motivate you and make you inshallah become more disciplined because we're not supposed to live in fear that's not that's not what it is we're not supposed to live in fear if anything we should be trying to strive so we're trying to build our house in the akhira we're not trying the end goal is not here this is because oh god this is definitely not the end goal <laughs> you know and also like the fact that they say like how they're talking about how you should treat your fellow like muslim brothers and sisters like you should and you should regard their life like because I feel like a lot of the times like okay someone gets me mad I immediately want to go do this this and this mm-hmm. but like you don't think about the fact that like even one the other day 
I seen a parking uh, like uh accident in the masjid parking lot, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a sister and a brother. Now this brother comes out the car yelling at the sister. This yeah. Snap. I'm like, and like, like basically threatening the sister and all this stuff. It's right? like in the moment, unfortunately, the anger. I know in the moment the anger, but like I feel like this just like goes to show like you should like have regards for their life, especially as like they're your Muslim brothers and sisters. You know, you should care about them the way you would want them to care about you. You should treat them the way you want them to treat you. Exactly. And I wanted to say this hadith, and it was narrated by Anas bin Malik, radiallahu anhu, and he said, the messenger of Allah said, do not desert or stop talking to one another. Do not nurse hatred towards one another. Do not be jealous of one another. That's a big one too. Mm -hmm. And become as fellow brothers and slaves of Allah. It is not lawful for a Muslim to stop talking to his brother or his sister or her sister, Muslim, for more than three days. And this was narrated in Al-Bukhari and Al-Muslim. And the reference for this is Riyadh al-Salihin 1591. So this is also important too, because sometimes within friends, you know, you guys get into a hash, you guys try to hash it out, but you guys are still angry with one another. Mm -hmm. And even if you guys decide that maybe it's best for you guys not to still be friends, hash it out. You have those three days to even think about it, it doesn't mean you have to be the best of friends, but you have to respect one another. You, yes. shouldn't, you shouldn't be avoiding them or making them feel like you're ignoring them, if that makes sense. And, and if, if any, it's so funny, like, we don't want to make it seem like if anyone else is listening that we, yeah. don't, treat, we, don't, we don't treat the non-Muslims just as good. No, no, no. We treat the non-Muslims with the same respect, but because there are Muslim brothers... Yeah, because there are yeah. our Muslim brothers and sisters, especially... You shouldn't be treating them like that, especially. Yeah. But also, the, the as the point of name, we treat everybody with respect, especially how it says in the end, treat everybody. Not your Muslim brothers and sisters. It says treat everyone. Yeah, hurt we, no one so they won't, it won't hurt you. Yeah. Because oh. if, talking about Muslim, like, it said Muslim, and then the end, mm-hmm. like you said, it said, hurt no one so no one may hurt you. Exactly. And for us, and honestly, I feel like a lot of um, issues, I mean, every every community, every everywhere, they have their own issues, especially within the Muslim community. We have to be able to fi- fix our own issues first before we go, we're going out and talking about other people's issues, right? Like, so it's so important. The Prophet Sallam is, he's talking about us first, you know? A lot of people do the whole comparing, but the Prophet is talking to us first. Not talking to the non-Muslims right now. It's talking to us first. And again, this can still, a non-Muslim can still interpret this and take these same teachings as a moral compass as well. Okay. Allah has forbidden you to take usury in interest. Therefore, all interests obligations still shall what what do you say Mary shall oh let me zoom in actually a little more okay let me start over Allah has forbidden to take usury interest therefore all obligations shall then Ben Sport 
henceforth. Henceforth. Oh, it looks like a B. I'm telling you, it's so blurry. Henceforth, be wavered. Your cap, your capital, however, is no, your no. people. Mm-hmm. What were you saying, sir? No, go ahead. Okay, your capital is however yours to keep. You will neither inflict nor suffer any equity. Allah has judged equality. Allah has inequality. Allah has judged that there shall be no interest and that all that interest due to Abbas ibn Abbas ibn al-Mutalib Papa Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam's uncle shall henceforth be wavered. Be waived. Are we on the same one? I think we're on the same one, but I, but what you said is not on my page. So I wonder. Hopefully it's on the same one. Okay. I mean wavered and waived. Same no, word. no, no, no. It's um it said Parsam's brother. That isn't said on mine. Really? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. If you want, you could go to um, when you first get on it. It says the last summer of Prophet and it says International Islamic University of Malaysia. Oh, so we're on the same one. Okay. All right. So the next one. Well, actually, let's talk about that one for a minute. What's his uncle, not his brother? Yeah, it doesn't. Oh, yeah, uncle. Yeah, for some reason, say that on mine, but it's okay. So okay. this is basically prohibiting interest. And there are many hadith and also Quran ayahs talking about that. But that's really important because like nowadays it's always like kind of embedded in certain things. And then like, unfortunately, you have to really investigate in anything with your money. You have to really investigate and it can be hard because honestly, money can just be a, a sticky topic. But it's just important to understand where your money is going and then also what you're getting yourself into. Because even being in college, for example, like right now, I have about three loans that the college is trying to give me. If I didn't know that, obviously, these loans have interest in it, I would just take it and be like, hey, paying off my college. Like, you know, but you have to just be you have to educate yourself on that. So you don't fall into these types of issues. It's true. And a lot of the times, too, like, I feel like the way, like, especially living in the West is set up is for so many things you have to take out loans for mm-hmm. or there's and those loans a lot of those loans have interest that occurs over time with them right like to get a house a lot of the times people don't have enough money cash just to buy the house sometimes they have enough like they can put down this much cash and they have to take out a loan to get pay the rest even though it might be a small loan they might have to take out a loan because of the fact that it's very hard to have that amount of money cash Mm-hmm. house for college the same thing if you don't get um scholarships or you don't work some people they ta- have to take out loans even some people are forced to take out loans even when they are working and they still have and they do have scholarships but they don't have enough still unfortunately so, unfortunately yeah and yeah. i feel like the the harmfulness of loans just from look just from like living in today's society because you know they might say oh you can pay this loan back within five years but how many people actually pay these loans back that they take out within five years 
Right. People are stuck paying it all of their lives. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, they want you to get stuck in it. <laughs> they do. They, they do. To, they make more money off of that. The one thing that I noticed is that I think it was last year, a couple years ago. Um, so my dad and a couple other people who graduated in his graduating year, um, because they're educators, all educators, they had this thing where it was like, if you're an educator and you graduated in this year and you've paid back like more than 50% of like the amount of money you owed, they gave you these, um, loan, these, um, loan write-offs where you would like, you would be free of all debt from that student loan Wow, you had. And because my dad, when he came to this country, he was like 18, 19, and he was working like two jobs, wow. going to the daytime. Um, they didn't know about scholarships. Financial aid wasn't really a thing back then. So they couldn't, like, he couldn't pay for all his scholarships. So he had to take out a loan to pay for something. And he didn't know what a loan was. Like, you know what I mean? They didn't, because he just came to America. So he didn't right. really know what a loan would get you in debt. And so then he took it and like alhamdulillah now, like with the write off, he doesn't have to, he, he's debt free. Alhamdulillah. But, that's really good. Alhamdulillah. But at the time, like, you know, being new to the country, didn't know that was a thing. And it was like, what, the nineties. Right. Yeah. So it was like, he didn't know it was a thing. He didn't know like that he shouldn't be getting loans and he, there wasn't really any other way for him to get the money to pay for college. Right. Exactly. And so the next one, I can't, oh, I, I'm going to read that one. And I have to leave at nine. So dang, we're already like kind of over time, almost over time. But we'll try to like read. If we can't one- go through all of it, we can do a part two. Okay, good, good, good. Because I feel like this I'm telling you, it's like you can go hours talking about this. It's true. Very true. Okay, so I'll, I'll go on the next one. Okay. Every right arising out of out of homicide in pre-Islamic days is henceforth waived. And the first such right that I waive is that arising from the murder of Rabia ibn al-Haritha. Al-Haritha? Yeah. So... I wish this had an explanation because a lot of the things for us to be able to fully comprehend, we need explanations. So I'm not, I'm not really comfortable speaking on this because I'm not, I, I'm not sure exactly what it's hinting at right now. Yeah, no, I, I completely understand. But I think we can just talk about the part where it says like every, the beginning part. Can mm-hmm. you read it again? Oh, every right arousing, arising out of homicide in pre-Islamic days is henceforth waived. And a homicide. And then if, also remember, this is being translated from Arabic into English. Yeah. So it can be a little. Too, if we if we find an explanation for this, we can like input it in. Yeah, because I I didn't find an explanation for that one either. Yeah. Inshallah, okay. the part two. We'll see if Inshallah. we can find an explanation for it. So, I'll do the next one. The next one is, oh people, listen to me. Listen to me, Ernest. Oh, what? no, no. The oh, one, the one, oh, oh, I didn't skip one. Okay. Because because of Shaitan. Nope, nope. That one? Nope. But why before that? 
going before that. I think oh. we're on pages. Because okay, when, when you go to the website, it says uh, Islamic, it says Islamic University of Medina. That's the website you click on, and it says the last sermon. Islamic Institute of Medina, you said? Yeah, um, no, I'm sorry, Malaysia. But it, when you search up Farewell Sermon of the Prophet Muhammad, it's the first one that pops up, and the website is International Islamic University of Malaysia. I don't see that. That's okay. You read the next one. Okay, read the next one. Go ahead. Okay, I'll read this. So I can find it. Okay. Oh, men. The unbelievers or the disbelievers indulge in tampering with the calendar in order to make permissible that which Allah forbade and to prohibit what Allah has made permissible. With Allah, the months are 12 in number. Four of them are holy. There are successive and one incurs singly between the months of Jumada and Shaban. <clears throat> so also during this time, it seems like there was also a lot of a lot of plotting and planning, pl- plotting and pl- um, planning between the disbelievers at this time towards the Muslims. They were already being oppressed, so the, it seems like one of the tactics they had that the Prophet is saying is that they used to tamper with the calendar. So obviously, in certain months, you believe that certain things are prohibited, and mm-hmm. in certain months, things are uh, uh, permissible to do. So that if the people are tampering with the calendar. Like the Prophet said, they're making certain things that are permissible, which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbade and prohibited in, the, in those certain areas. Like, so, like which, Ramadan, for example. Yeah, it could be like in Ramadan, we're not supposed to eat. So if they're tampering with the calendar, making it seem like what we're in Sha'ban, you know, we're able to eat. We don't, we're not um, obligated yeah. to fast. So think about that. That's really, that's really evil. That's very evil, you know? It's true. And you know what that reminds me of? <laughs> a way. The fact that, okay, you know how a lot of times they try to predict when aid is. Oh, yeah. And it's not like you have to look at the moon. To you know have it. to. You And unfortunately, I mean, a lot of people are falling into that. But we're, the thing is, this is from the Sunnah. Yeah. The this is what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to cite for the moon, whoever has seen the moon. If not, then let them fast. And this is specifically for the Mughan. You still um, cite the moon for the Hijjah as well. And then the, the, after 10 days, that would be considered Eid. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like a lot of the times you see people doing that. So they might start Ramadan a day earlier, or they might start Ramadan a day yeah. late, or they might end Ramadan a day late, or end Ramadan a day early, and then you haven't completed your full Ramadan, mm. and you have no valid excuse for why you haven't completed your full Ramadan. So now, technically, you have to do the whole thing over again, plus I think it's 30, so like 60 days, right? SubhanAllah. Which is, like, if you think about it, and now you're imagine you do this every single year, every single year, yep. every mm-hmm. the amount of days you're supposed to do that you haven't done. And unfortunately, and- like I get it because they're doing on moon calculations, but it, it, it's almost as if like we're relying on ourselves, and that's almost like what we're not supposed to be doing. Yeah, <laughs> is, is, is re- <laughs> relying on ourselves for anything, for anything, even the da'a, um, do not even leave my, don't leave me to myself for a blink of an eye. Don't leave me to myself for a blink of an eye. Because it would, if humans were just left for our own affairs, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the, the best disposer of our affairs. Mm-hmm. We're kind of going against the sunnah of the Prophet and just saying, okay, this is what we're going to do. And this is how also there's a lot of clashing between people. It, it causes even more discourse, you know? It's true. 
and okay. like go ahead go ahead no no go ahead no no <laughs> no obviously where uh, did you find the website that's all i was gonna say no i didn't actually because i tried um every time the first thing that comes up for me is not what you the, what you're telling me about it the first thing that comes up is ht wait i mean i was about to read the thing but um i wonder if i can send you this thing on your gmail and you can pull it up it's not the i see that it's um islamichouse.com and then the other thing is are you on google yes that's so weird okay let me can i send it to your email or will it yeah send, okay okay and then something blood ran wall okay i sent it to you but okay okay i know there's different ones that are on same thing because no i thought at first we had the same thing because we were reading yeah it was was perfectly actually because obviously it's gonna it's gonna be about the same thing it's just different people are translating it but it's still around the same thing yeah and some things might add explanations which is honestly important because you know it's so dangerous to speak about the prophet without having that knowledge so very true true Alrighty, so you want to read the next one? If you scroll down, uh, it's Beware of Satan or Shaitan. Oh, the one that I was about to read. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. That, like two ones ago. Okay. Beware of Satan for the safety of your religion. He has lost all hope that he will be able to lead you astray in big things. So be- we are, beware of falling into, beware of following him in small things. like literally it is i'm telling you i feel like this is said like the the last part is said so many times about like you guys shaitan is not going to come to you and tell you to do something horrible like something big verbatimly exactly it's like it's literally it's exactly so like for the biggest one that i see when it comes to reminders is you know in the quran we're told not to come near zina so don't even come near it then yeah. you hear, obviously, when we're listening um, to different halakas, that Shaitan is not going to tell you to commit zina. He's going to tell you to text this person. He's going to tell or you to flirt. Person. Yeah, exactly. So it's little things. And so the Prophet is saying, beware of following him in the small things. He's mm-hmm. not going to tell you to do these big things. And hey, mate, listen, everybody's different. Shaitan has a playbook on every single person. For you, Ruqayya, and maybe something that you're struggling with, for me, it could be something else. So it's not that we're all going to be tested with the same thing. It's going to be little, it's going to be different things, but it's going to be little at li- uh, little, you know? And for us, we're not seeing as in like, oh, this is a, this is a big thing, but it's look at it as in like footsteps leading up to that. Yep. And even like, you see how every innovation is a misguidance. Mm-hmm. Bidah. Bidah is where like not us specifically but like just in general people like you see something you think it's a good thing to do yeah now i'm telling you oh do this thing it's a good thing to do and you might see it as a good thing to do so you do it but it was not from the sunnah of the prophet and you keep doing it and then you tell someone else to do it and they start doing it and that's like a small thing that you might have thought was like a good thing that's gonna give you good deeds yeah started making it a habit of you and it's not from the sunnah of the prophet it's basically from your sunnah that you're making like exactly and this this was a big problem 
during the Prophet Adam's time, even after, of people doing things that they think will bring them closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, so they continue to do it. But again, it, it goes back to we should not rely on ourselves for, mm-hmm. what we, for what we think is going to be correct and not. That's why we're, and this is, we're going to get to it too in the sermon of holding to, to the Quran and Sunnah. That's what we follow. We don't follow people. We like people, people who, first of all, have no knowledge. You know what I'm saying? That's number one. Like, if I just stood up and be like, you guys, everyone, this is what we're doing, yada, yada, yada. Are people just going to start following me? No, because we have, we have a guide, especially as Muslims. We don't just follow anything that we see. And unfortunately, yeah. obviously, it sounds crazy for us to say this, but how many people have done this without even knowing it? You're mm-hmm. following something crazy. Or, or even a big thing now, especially with our day and age, Rukhaya, is like on social media, I talked about like, you know, reposting things of knowledge, like with knowledgeable content, right? People, a lot of people like, which is kind of scary, is a hadith or an ayah, this may be, first of all, valid. But I think it's so important when someone is saying the Prophet said, you need to be putting a source. How many people have like, posted fabricated hadiths on their stories <laughs> and i'm telling you i think this was like two three years ago i reposted something on instagram and it didn't have a source or anything so i was like, okay but a lot of people liked it a lot of people commented on it and then i actually went to the comment section and a lot of people were like you know so and so like delete this this it was literally a fabricated hadith it was literally a full-on like people just need to be more aware of what you're posting and what you're putting out there and I feel like the context of things too. Yes, yes. Like people post ayahs and stuff, but the context behind people interpret. Some people just choose to interpret it whatever they way feel like interpreting it. Exactly. It. But, but you the- shouldn't. But you should. But also, you have to make. You have to watch how you're putting it out there for it to be interpreted as well. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, unfortunately, like we could go into this too of just like people there was one person that I saw on Instagram and I guess she's pretty famous with like giving like reminders and mm. she was using like, it was, if, if a Quran, if a Quranic ayah is very specific to one thing, you can't take it and apply it to your life in a whole different way. Yeah. But if something of course is general. Then of course you can apply it generally, but it just doesn't make, I'm telling you, I, I wish I had the exact, I don't want to misspeak, but yeah. it was something so specific to a certain time and a place. And the person took it and applied it to something so random in their life. And I was like, am I the only one seeing this? And I went to the comment section and people were saying the same exact thing. Like, this does not apply to what you're trying to make it apply to. Yeah. So and that, I feel like oh that's the story of Luth. Like, just for example, like the story of Luth, a lot of the times, like, I feel like every single year I see this going around where people take the story of Luth and then they, like, kind of twist it in a way that it's, it's not what it is. It's and not. It's they're not taking. They're not taking it for what it is. Yeah, because I feel like people don't want to take it for what it is. That's yeah, what it is. and it's that's why I'm telling what it is. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, that, I'm telling you, Rukhaya, we can we can literally this can be like an hour hours conversation. I'm telling you, it's just so that's many things. This one part. Yeah. Okay. And so okay, the next one is, oh, people. It is true that you have certain rights with regard to your women, but they also have rights over you. Remember that you have taken them as your wives only under Allah's trust and with his permission. If they abide by, if they abide by your right, then to them belongs the right to be fed and clothed in kindness. 
do treat your women well and be kind to them for they are your partners and committed helpers. And it is your right that they do not make friends with any of whom you do not approve as well, never to be unchaste. And this is so beautiful too, because a lot of the times people from the outside, even within Muslims, again, taking things out of context, the Prophet is making a statement and unfortunately we take it out of context and we don't allow ourselves to, to deep it, to like fully think about it. Yeah. So the Prophet is literally saying that, you know, in the Quran, it's already said that um, uh, a man has uh, a higher right over a woman, right? For yeah. certain regards of what rights they have to they have to provide, mm-hmm. and the Prophet is also saying that we have rights over men as, as well, but he reminds us that the union between a husband and a wife is sacred as well. So take take them as your wives only under law, Allah's trust and with His permission, and because, then abide. Yep, yeah, go ahead. No, I was just about to say because Allah is entrusting you with your wife and for you to take care of your wife. Exactly. Exactly. See, it says, in, be kind to them. They are your partners and committed helpers. And is in, it is your right that they do not make friends with any of whom you do not approve. This does not mean that you just, you know what I'm saying? You, you uh, uh, what's the word? Oppress your wife and say you cannot be friends with anyone. Or that's like, not even I, what, huh, go ahead. I, I, no, I said, or like you isolate them. No, like, that's not, them, exactly. Right? And this is what I mean by like the person is saying something and the people were taking it into a whole different extreme. Mm-hmm. That you know, they're allowed to advise us that we cannot be friends with certain people if there's certain things that they be able, they may be able to see that us as women we're not able to see that, mm-hmm. and we can give that same exact advice if you may see like whoever they're married and their husband is hanging out with people that may not be good for them. The wife can still advise them, mm-hmm. and also the thing about the part that says feed them, hold them, and be kind to them. The thing is, I feel like a lot of times people like they do two of the things: feed them, clothe them, but then the kindness part. They leave out the kindness wise because yeah. they're like, I'm feeding you, I'm clothing you. <clears throat> exactly. And right. it's not, and the, the thing is, too, um, unfortunately, a lot of people see it almost as like a burden, but there's, it's not manner for you to get married. So if you don't think you're ready for that, then you shouldn't be getting married for yeah. the time being. But that doesn't mean you shouldn't be getting married, period. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. Time. Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> see, <laughs> holding it, holding it, holding it. Yep. What? What? No. Oh, sorry. I thought you said something else. No. Oh, I was gonna say also that um, the feed them, clothe them part, and be kind to them. A lot of times, people think when you feed them and you clothe them, you're giving them your, their rights. Exactly. But you're forgetting the being kind to them. Yeah, That's and awful. it's a union. It's a union between a husband and a wife. Like it, it's it's especially in Islam. Actually, only in Islam. Marriage is beautiful. Marriage is a be- <laughs> marriage is a beautiful thing and i think a lot of the times it's either on again it's on both extremes mm-hmm. it's either feeling too young and you kind of just puppy dog love you think everything's gonna be sunshine and rainbows or you're older and you kind of just given hope on that and you know there's just certain things you want and that's why you're getting married but there needs to be that sincerity behind it too and the reason why you're doing it should be for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm-hmm. and then also i feel like another thing is that marriage in Islam is not based on equality. It's based on equity. And I feel like people need to understand that equity. Mm-hmm. Like, equality is, like, giving everyone fair, fair, fair. But, like, like same treatment across the board, no matter your circumstances. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, depending on your circumstances, you 
treat the person differently. Like, imagine, okay, there's a person who is, uh, like, they have no money, like, no penny to their name. And there's a person who, there's the middle class person who has, like, let's say they have $20,000, right? Now, the other one has a million dollars. Now, let's say the government decides to hand out um, half a million dollars to everyone. The rich person is just gonna get richer. Yeah, yeah. The middle class person, they're gonna like have a decent life. I mean, even even with zakah, is zakah yeah. being given to the wealthy? No, because you can't. It's like yeah, and, and that's what I mean. Of just like there are just certain, and, and, and it's so funny because people always not always bring up this example of like, okay, pregnancy. This is something that Allah has given women. So mm-hmm. they're nine months where they have to be careful with their body. They're they're nurturing a whole nother being, which is incredible. SubhanAllah. This is from the miracles of Allah Shantala. And so there's certain things that she's gonna need. Does that mean the husband needs those same things? No. Is he no. growing is he growing a baby in his stomach? No. no. Can a can a man grow a baby in his stomach? No. no. <laughs> like, I, I don't understand that. I, I don't understand that. But again, we're coming from a place of of understanding and logic and unfortunately some people they don't see that as being illogical to say that everything that a man gets a woman has to get and everything a woman has a woman gets is what a man gets you know it's almost like when we're taught about equality when we're little about like this is what she gets this is what he gets it's almost like they kind of hold on to that a little too long past yeah. childhood and the thing is even for men like see how women have to travel with the mahram like yes. if you're like traveling but men don't have to travel mm-hmm. with them. the thing is like think about it from a logical perspective Men, when they're traveling on their own, what is the likelihood? Even like women say this all the time, living by themselves, what's called traveling by themselves, they have to be more careful. That what is the likelihood of a man getting attacked traveling on his own versus a woman getting attacked traveling mm-hmm. on her own? And we're not again, we're not saying that that's not going to happen. But what is the likelihood yeah. of that happening? The like the percentage is higher for a woman versus exactly. the percentage for a man. It's not saying that all oh, women are weak; they can't defend themselves. No, I'm saying it's just the likelihood of the percentage is higher for yep. women yeah yep exactly and i'm telling you islam puts things in place not to oppress us and i mean this by men and women it's not put there to oppress but it's there to protect us it's very true you know and we're definitely gonna have, to have a part two it's the- nine already i gotta get ready for work i know <laughs> but the, i'm telling you like I, I don't know why I thought we were supposed to get through this in an hour. Like, it's so in-depth. And it's something you can't just go uh, with a piece of it and just not, like, touching it and bring it into today's, you know, things we're dealing with today. Yeah, because I feel like it's it relates to today in every way. Because, literally, Islam is perfect. It's that mm-hmm. even the ending of it, which I want to, like, go over. Like, but not today, but when we go over it, even the ending of it, how it says no other religion... Mm-hmm. come after Islam my cousin she was asking me the other day what do they mean by no other religion will come after Islam because she said like other like religions came after Islam but like what do they mean by that and I mean like no other true religion will come after Islam and that's and that's how we're gonna end it yeah <laughs> <laughs> exactly subhanAllah well thank you for being on this episode Mary <laughs> You're welcome. Now we I'll be ready for part two. Inshallah. Me too. Same one. So, what'd you say? I said now we both have the same one to look at. Exactly. Exactly. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah.
Assalamu alaikum, Miriam. Have a good day. Have a good day at work. Yes. Assalamu alaikum, Inshallah, I'll see you soon. Inshallah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Breaking Barriers. My name is Raqaya Wright, and I can't wait to keep the conversation going. Forbidden to you are dead animals, blood and flesh. Forbidden to you are dead animals, blood, the flesh of swine, and forbidden to you are dead animals, blood, the flesh of swine, and which has been dedicated to other than Allah. And those animals killed by strangling or by violent blows or by a long or by a headlong fall or by the goring of horns and those from which a wild animal has eaten except that you are able to slaughter before it's dead and those which are sacrificed on stone altars and Forbidden is that you seek this decision through divine arrows. That is a, that is grave disobedience. This day, those who believe have dis, those who disbelieve have despaired to defeat you, your religion. So fear that fear them not, but fear me. This day I have perfected your religion and commanded my favors upon you and have approved for you Islam as your religion. But whoever is forced by survival hunger with no inclination to sin, then indeed Allah is forgiven and most merciful. <laughs>